Welcome to the Business Addicts Podcast, where the stakes are high, talk is cheap, and results are on the other side of commitment. Hosted by a former addict, myself. And I'm his wife, Jamie. We uncover addicts' mindsets, showing that the talents you've created in your struggle will be the superpowers you leverage to heal your deepest wounds. Listen to former addicts share stories of how they've flipped the switch, including insights into how much we can believe in ourselves. For those of you affected by addiction, we support your desire to help the addict in your life by raising the stakes and creating emotional barriers. Hello, and welcome back to the Business Addicts Podcast. Today, we're, we're sitting here virtually with Lane Kennedy. She is from the San Francisco area and helps people with mindfulness and meditation in San Francisco government, and also has a private practice where she helps people with, well, what would you say? Why don't you go ahead and, and tell us that part, Lane? Sure. I I always say that I help people upgrade their lifestyle. Um, there's so many health challenges that people uh, are facing today, so I help them reestablish uh, homeostasis in their body. So I look at their DNA and their whole body, their whole being. Mm-hmm. But you've already got me interested in... One thing that homeostasis. So there, at a certain point, I ran across this homeostasis level concept, and I started mm-hmm. to do some checking for myself. Where was mm-hmm. I? You know, and I was doing this from a frequency standpoint. So help me understand how you look at homeostasis and what it means to you, what it means to everyone, and what do you do with it? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show too. Just so I can say that it's always so good to connect with others yeah, yeah, who are uh, podcasting and sharing a good message out there with their listeners. So homeostasis is, it's, it's simple. It's being in balance, right? Being absolutely, you know, I, I like the seesaw analogy, right? The seesaw, okay. you, know, you know, you see children and they're up and down and up and down. And so as humans as bodies, we are living in our culture, our society today, and we're up and down, up and down, up and down. And the body wants to always come back to balance where both are equal, you know, those kids on the, mm-hmm. on the seesaw. Yeah. Um, and it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of work to do that because, you know, like I live in San Francisco and sometimes there's uh, skateboarders that, dro- you know, skate down my street and just the, like, I can get this, and that knocks me out of homeostasis, you know? And it's just for a moment. It's just a sound, but it knocks me out. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That makes sense. All right. So how do you identify and help people see how we're out of balance? It's easy. Look in the mirror, right? Look at your mirror. Are you happy? Are you satisfied with your mm-hmm. life? Have you been diagnosed with uh, diabetes or some kind of health condition? Are you happy in your relationship, in your marriage, um, at your job, with your kids? Uh, and not to say that, you know, you're supposed to be, it's all rainbows and unicorns, right? Like you're going to live this joyful, blissful time, but it's how are you moving through the world and bouncing back when there are obstacles and challenges? So that's, that's where we kind of start. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So when we think about just that that holistic look at where are we and are we happy with where we are, I think that's that's a wonderful place to start. 
when we think about this podcast and who we're talking to, is there something you've noticed about that addiction when it comes to, I mean, we all know we're not happy if we're in addiction, but like what, what would you say to an addict about that? So addiction is really tricky, right? It's, it's deceitful and it likes to hide out. And so a lot of times, you know, in particular around business or work, I see work addiction. Yeah. I mean, it is through the roof. There is no downtime anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I watch my husband and he's, he's, addicted to his phone, right? He's addicted mm. to being on Twitter. He's addicted. It's a cycle, this repetition, this, I have to be doing it. And people don't even recognize or, or see that that is a problem anymore because it's, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's our lifestyle, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so addiction is something that, uh, you don't want to call people out on it because they have to find it themselves, right? They have to mm -hmm. say, Oh my God, I have a problem, yeah. but it's just something to, say it's, it's good to ask or to make inquiry around, you know, if you have a, a partner or a, a spouse or a sister or brother, and they're doing something over and over again, it's like, Hey, do you need to do that? Right. Just bring the inquiry around it. So they might say, Oh, Jesus, you're right. I am working all hours of the night. Yeah. And maybe I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I like that point about it being deceitful. Yeah, it's it's mm -hmm. very deceitful um, and hard to really spot fully. Okay, yeah. so as we think about this season and and trauma, and we think about you know being happy, and we've 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 had damage that we've caused through our addiction or through maybe even one thing we've dived into the, in this season is behind the addiction what's the trauma you know what's the what's the things that happened that there was not someone there that was mature emotionally enough to help us with so when it comes to damage from being out of homeostasis being out of balance how do we correct the the damage from being out of balance so we can begin by breathing i always start people with finding their breath I always, you know, really suggest that people find outside help, right? I can't fix my own problems. Like I can think, I, yeah, I got it, but really it needs some kind of objective outsider view, uh, whether that be, you know, now we have telehealth or online health mm -hmm. or in person, but having somebody to kind of, you know, go through that with you is so valuable. Uh, and you know, trauma is deep. Right. No, nobody wants to look at their trauma and especially an addict. Like that's really scary and it's going to take some time, uh, but it's so worth it. It's so yeah. worth it, Kevin. Definitely. I can say that. I, mm -hmm. I was, um, so last year my wife went through some hypnotherapy and I was like, no way. I don't want to mm -hmm. do that. That sounds mm -hmm. like, why would I want, why do you want to do that? I was like, I said that pretty much exactly those words. But I was so curious why she was interested. And then a few months later, I was like, I'm ready. I want to do it. Yes, I, I totally get that. That We get to that point where it's like, okay, so it's a pain equation, right? Like, do I want to keep, keep the pain or do I want to lessen the long-term impact of this? You know, do I want to deal with it, like heal right. from it? But sometimes I think, Kevin, people don't even realize that. 
you know, because they're so caught mm-hmm. up in their addiction. And again, you know, being in recovery for over a couple decades now, it's, it's, I still have to look at some little, you know, hidden boxes in the closet, you know, like there's trauma still that I am still uncovering and, and we, we're not ready to, to deal with it until we're absolutely ready. Right. It's, it's like you just said with the hypnosis, like you weren't ready. You were like, why would anybody do that? And then boom, something happened. You were like, okay, I'm doing it, which is so good. (laughs) So good. And so necessary. Often I, I, I think about this as layers. Like there's like a layer that I'm emotionally ready mm-hmm. to deal with right now. I have the energy for that or I have enough desire to step outside of whatever is making me fearful about it. Mm-hmm. And then later I might deal with the same thing, but at a different level, like a, maybe even a deeper level, because I just wasn't ready to deal with parts of it at right. that time. Right. I don't know. That's that's what I've experienced and what I've noticed in working with others is like there's like we all kind of want like when we do want to work on something, it's like, oh, I'd just love to get rid of all of this. But sometimes it doesn't really work that way. Like we're not ready for that type of work. And, and that would probably to a certain extent hurt. Well, emotional excavation is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it is a courageous act to go in and start uncovering, you know, your wounds and your trauma. And it's nothing to do by yourself. And I love that you brought up hypnosis because hypnosis is such an incredible tool to be able to go back to the point of trauma and heal it. And not to say that it would happen in one session, but I know that within, you know, seven sessions, there's like a 300% difference between talk therapy and hypnosis, like I see results in usually two or three sessions, being able to see significant change when somebody goes into like what you did hypnosis, right? Seeing that change in one to seven sessions, as opposed to going through cognitive behavioral therapy, which is again, another great tool or talk therapy, uh, great tools to find, you know, the trigger point of that trauma. But hypnosis, I feel like it's such a oh, magical tool. Yeah, I agree. So what are the tools that you use when you're working with people? You've mentioned a few different ones. Where Can you bring us on the journey of maybe even how you found some of them and what you appreciate about, about them? Well, I, you know, my first tool is meditation. And I found meditation oh, yeah. Yeah. about, uh, well, 20, 22 years ago, I guess. I landed in this really kind of um, interesting place in my life in Los Angeles, and I wasn't really happy, and I just started chanting. A couple of years later, I found myself in a Buddhist monk and, you know, practicing Buddhism in Thailand. And meditation has been this kind of thread throughout my life that I always go back to. And about nine years ago, uh, I was angry. And, you know, we talk about this, like there's under the the layers, right? There's like these boxes in the corner we don't want to look at. And I had, I was really like rageful and it was an inner rage. And so, you know, now that kind of surfaced for, I don't know, like a year. And I had a moment where like an outer body moment, Kevin, where I was screaming 
and out, I took myself out of my car and was screaming at this huge man. And I, and I just left my kid in the car. It was just like this crazy time. And, and, and that moment made me shift, right? Mm. That was an energy shift. And I saw myself. And from mm. that moment on, you know, I started investigating, you know, the, 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 well, DNA and the biology of belief and mindfulness really came into play. Like my mindfulness practice changed. Um, everything had to change. And I became a teacher around mindfulness, meditation, hypnosis, but I really got into uh, genetics and DNA and understanding like, why, why am I so hot tempered? Like what, why, why, where does that come from? And when I look at my genetics, my DNA, I actually can see certain genes that would, well, say that I could be a little hot headed or a little more uh, addictive, you know, like I can, I can okay. drink coffee, like, like just keep pouring it. That that's an addictive behavior. <laughs> and I can see that in my genes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those have been my, those have been my main tools that I've been using uh, for the past, you know, eight, eight years. Beautiful. Well, that's, that's a lot to dig into. So I'll try to get to all of that. Cause it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm first interested in, um, the Buddhism and, you know, we've like, I think meditation is something, you know, I'm a Christian, but like, maybe that's part of it, but like, it just feels like we don't have uh, a common definition of what that is. We, are getting closer because we've got inside timer and headspace mm-hmm. and all these different tools today that help us define what it is. But from a standpoint of where you come from, can you help us understand that definition of what meditation is? I believe that meditation is finding the quiet space in your mind and your heart. And there's a big long trail between the heart and the head. And sometimes it's hard to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we, finally connect the head to the heart, that is a magical place. And I believe that that's where God lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that that's where love is. I believe that that's where we, we heal our bodies Mm -hmm. is when we are in that meditative deep state, Mm -hmm. life can change exponentially. And I've seen it and I've experienced it and I help my clients with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Almost got to give that a little pause. Like, uh, that'll take me a while to consider. Yeah, in a, a in an energetic, um, feeling way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really you know that is kind of the essence of what you feel in hypnotherapy too, mm-hmm. and the essence of. So my my hypnotherapist gave me meditations. Um, mm-hmm. Her and I are still doing things together, and. Um, yeah, and I actually want her to give, to help me with more meditations mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that are very custom for me. And yep. there's just times where you, I remember those and I'm like, I need to listen to that again, you know? Yeah. Even though it's been nine months or so. Well, that gives us a very good definition. And I, I that's one I can just so hang on to and agree with is that feeling of being in a place of unconditional love for ourselves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for even like that's when I work with people, I, that's the place I want to serve them from mm-hmm. and be with them in. And, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's a beautiful place of, of growth and healing. 
I, I love that you're sharing about your moment or one of your moments of that anger coming out. And um, can you give us anything behind that? Like as you discovered what was behind that, the DNA you gave us. And I'm definitely interested in more about that. But yeah, is there any experiences that where that came from? Well, you know, my son was four at the time. And I, it was hard childhood, you know, raising him yeah. was hard. Like I wasn't ready for it at all. And I had postpartum for a couple of years and, mm. uh, I went on prescribed medication for it and it just made things worse. And I think there was just that build up, build up, build up. Right. So if I go back to that original trigger point, right. It's like, I'm having a baby and I wasn't really mentally, emotionally, spiritually prepared for that. As much as I took the, you know, baby mommy yoga classes and, you know, as much as I was meditating, I just wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and so uh, I think when I had that, that break of anger and that rage, it, it like all kind of um, had, I had great clarity in that moment of, you know, I was a victim of my own destruction because I couldn't handle what life was giving me. Yeah. And I, I just, I couldn't figure it out. And so I had to get help. I had to get help. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, that courage, you know, sharing that courage. Um, I've been working with a lot of women recently and mm. I've just been amazed at really, let's say the generational beliefs or whatever that mm -hmm. are put on women and that, that honestly that we as guys have put on them and and have made about ourselves um mm -hmm. i've worked through quite a bit of that too you know I, I acknowledge that too um but this whole idea i was just working today with a young mother that is in a similar state to what you described and mm -hmm. And yeah, you just feel that like there's just this so much that needs to be done. She's got stuff with her, with her family and with mm -hmm. her mm -hmm. parents and with her kids and with her husband and, you know, that, that overwhelm. And so, yeah, just giving, having the space and creating the space to appreciate yourself and working through that is amazing. And that's, that's like a cultural thing that, that we can all help each other in really. I think that's why I kind of stood up and said, this has to stop. I, it's like, I don't mind sharing the story because I know that it's going to help somebody else. Yeah. Right. I know that they're going to say, oh my God, I am suffering from rage. I couldn't even identify that it was rage and that it was an inner rage that I had. Yeah. Right. So that's why I share the story. That's why I talk about my recovery. That's why I do the work that I do because a lot of time we're just blinded by our delusion, right? Mm -hmm. We live in a society yeah. that doesn't want us to be well. It just wants us to be medicated. So yeah. like, how can we all wake up to, to a new reality? You know, God's world. I, I hear that, man. That's, that is so true. And I, I think there's, there's such a beauty in us being who we are mm -hmm. and being who we are. Like our gifts are just absolutely amazing. And the potential of having that continual homeostasis level of love and f of peace and whatever it is that 
you know comes from deep in us that is healthy mm-hmm. that that condition is amazing but yes the antithesis to that is our current culture almost yeah. it's getting to that point where it's almost yeah. exactly the opposite of that where we're looking for reasons to have strife and mm-hmm. and reasons to excuse ourselves and and reasons to be a victim and yeah there, there's so it's a blame there's so much blame right now it's like nobody's coming for us right we yeah. have to be our own advocate Mm-hmm. You know, I signed my kid up for camp for summer and they said, well, he has to be his own advocate. And I said, of course he does because nobody's going to help. Like nobody's coming for him. Just like mm-hmm. nobody's coming for me. If I don't stand up and say, I need help, pff, forget it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm buried. Yeah. And I just don't want to be buried again. Yeah. I, I think, you know, um, well, there's just, there's so much coming in my mind right now that I just need to quiet to a certain extent about how this resonates with women, at least the ones that I've worked with recently. Mm. But um, I'm thinking about applying it to guys too. Like, you know, we have this whole thing about work that you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, work, work, work and providing. And, and you know, that's not, it's not really true either. And it's funny. I'm meeting more and more guys that, it's like they've done the reverse in order to like the woman is earning the income, the guy's doing all kinds of other things, supporting her, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like that reverse is helping them work through the trauma of all this stuff we're forcing on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, all of us to um, to really give some space to what you're saying and, and especially when you've got transition in your life new things that are like, Mm -hmm. wow, how am I going to integrate this with what I have before Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. creating new anxieties, still having balance in the process? We're living in a time where you just said the um, men are stepping back and kind of helping the woman, right? And we're living in a time where men are kind of saying, "What? where where am I at in the puzzle, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what can I do? I want to reestablish myself. I just worked with, I have several men, male clients, and one of them was like, I'm just tired, right? I'm just tired, Lane. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, why don't we just do a reset, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's like, how can we support like men and women? And, and I don't even want to put like human beings, like we're human beings. Yes. Like we need to start helping each other find yes. ourselves, so we can start living the lives that we really are here and meant to live. And you talked about the heart, you know, like living from your heart. How many people are doing that? Mm-hmm. Not many. Yeah. Not I enough. Am. You are right. But it's like not enough. You said it not enough. Yeah. Well, and, and we, you know, if there is anyone listening that, that is uh, wanting to understand what that looks like it, it just looks like being willing to have something be messy for a little while while you figure yeah. it out i mean 100 percent. the the biggest fear is that that it's going to be messy mm-hmm. and well we can just tell you it is going to be okay it's okay for it to be messy for a little bit it's okay for you to give enough space that something falls apart you know yeah and and trust that it's going to come to bet together in a better way mm-hmm. um that might be something serious like our marriage sometimes, but 
trusting that if you really deal with what's going on, that it has the best chance, you know, that you have the best chance and that the marriage would have the best chance or whatever it is, the business that you have, Mm -hmm. um, your job, you know, taking a few days to figure out what's going on, um, might be enough to save your career with that particular company instead of I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, I just, it just feels like what we're trading is false security, you know, Mm -hmm. like, well, I'm secure in this non-change environment. No, we're not. <laughs> no. That, that's the deception. No. And, and you're not happy and you're probably not healthy. Yeah. Right? Because once we have stress in the body, disease is kicked in. Yeah. So the moment we're unhappy or there's a disruption, again, remember the seesaw going back and forth? It's like it's stress. Right? And, yes. and it's emotional stress. You know, I know that my husband has emotional stress. He is tied to that computer working. It's like, I, and I'm mm-hmm. forcing him all the time. Take a break, take a break. Yeah. You know, my clients, I'm constantly, I have a, again, I'm like, you have to take breaks. You have to start making the change. And that's, it can be as simple as going outside and taking a walk around the block. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Humans over, overcomplicate things. Yeah, you just brought something back to mind. So I worked in IT for 20 years. The beginning of my healing journey, the first thing I started doing was taking a walk Mm. during lunch. Mm -hmm. And I would go and sit. Um, There was a a trail at the end of our road, and it would go through the woods. It it was like there was official trails and then Mm -hmm. deer trails kind of thing. Well, I'd go off into the woods and the deer trails, there was a clearing of trees like an island of little trees in the middle of a sand dune area Mm. i would go to that area and just sit and pray and meditate and Mm -hmm. and start to give myself some space and um that was the that was the beginning for me of of starting to heal um i wasn't dealing with anything Mm -hmm. you know i was just letting it pile up Mm -hmm. and that became my place to process appreciate Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm feel my environment. Um, it was really big for me to do that outside for, for me personally. Yeah. Um, that became a, a, something that even today being out in nature is powerful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a client recently and he lives down in San Diego and, uh, he has a place near the beach and working constant. Right. And I said, you have to get outside because I don't have time. I said, well, you have your dog. He has a dog named Roxy. And I said, you have to take Roxy out twice a day. And that's where we started. Right. And he would just take Roxy out. And, and then it became that he actually enjoyed taking Roxy out. Yeah. The walks became longer, but it's, it's, you got to find where people can start, you know, and everybody's different. Yes. That's beautiful. Anything else you want to share for, you know, there's, it, we're living in such a time where it's, it can be challenging and it's nice to have somebody on your side to support you, right. To have an open ear, open heart, um, open mind to support. Uh, so if you're in that place of like, I need to change, you know, you've got Kevin, you've got me, and there's so many other people in the world that you can just reach out to. It's, it's like, we don't have to be alone in the strife and the struggle of our society today. It's better when we're sharing and together. 
So Kevin, yes. I love hanging out with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This has been very special. I can tell you've done a lot of work. Yeah. And, uh, appreciate it. It's constant. <laughs> yeah. I Just before we close completely, I'd like to say anything about the DNA stuff. Like it seems like that's something you can work off of, right? Like it's something concrete that you can work off of. Mm-hmm. You've got evidence. Okay, this mm-hmm. area, this kind of, it gives us an explanation of where we're starting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the blueprint. It's our blueprint of who we are. And I always talk about the 30%. That's 30% is our blueprint. The other 70% is, you know, how we are in the world, how we eat, who we talk to, how we sleep. Um, And so, you know, when I'm working with a client, I can, it's almost like I see them naked sometimes. And that's a little too intimate for people. Mm -hmm. But I'm on a journey to help people live their best life. Mm-hmm. and to and to live a long life like i joke with all my i don't joke it's not a joke anymore like i'm gonna live to 105 yeah like i want to see my son and have have him see like i want to see his kids right i want to mm-hmm. so when i look at my dna i can look at this blueprint and and know like here are the changes that i need to make today so i can live until i'm 105 right here are the here are the things that are gonna happen in order um for for my DNA to be working at a hundred percent, and everybody's genetic, everybody's genes are different. Like there are no two protocols that are the same. Just like there are no two diets. You know, I have a lot of women come to me where like I can't lose this tw- this twenty pounds. It's just not mm-hmm. budging. My mm-hmm. doctor said it was hormonal, and I'm perimenopause, and and it's like, well, no, not really. <laughs> Your DNA says something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been really such an incredible, valuable, um, tool to use to help people. Yeah. It feels, I mean, the more I'm thinking about it and receiving what you're saying, the more concrete it feels like, you know, sometimes with working with other personality profiles, we're talking about the particular, um, state you're in now mm-hmm. and we know that it'll shift. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I, I'm appreciating about what you're saying about DNA is, well, these are the markers. This is what they mean. Um, is it overwhelming sometimes? How much information is there or how do you, how do you pick it's, it up? It's overwhelming. There's a lot of information that I can collect. Um, and so I just do it. We just do it in, you know, sessions. Stages. We don't do it all at once. It's yeah, it's too much. Um, but I see significant change in three months usually with people. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, you're you're you've opened my mind a little bit more too. So good, so glad. Yeah, that's that's what life is all about. That's what we're so doing, like, right? We're just opening, yes. expanding. My new affirmation is, "I am the universe." It's nice. taken me a long time to understand what that means. Uh, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Steve Hardison, but that that's mm-hmm. his first affirmation, and I didn't understand what he meant for the longest time. But now I now I love it. And you're mm-hmm. right; like it's like we in this conversation are expanding the universe. That's a powerful thing. 100%. So thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in. And to stay in touch, email us at info at businessaddictspodcast.com.